Well, hey, welcome to Digging Deeper here with Pete Goodman. My name is Robert. Excited because... I get to ask you some questions today, Robert. No, I get to ask you some so questions. let's start, Robert, with my first question. <laughs> yes, what is uh, your first question? I don't have one. Uh, that's okay, because I've got a lot of questions. Man, first of all, thank you. I thought you did an awesome job really explaining this idea of tov and ra, good and bad, kind of redefining what those mean in a biblical sense for us. And this is something that you're passionate about because I don't know how many people know this, but you're actually writing a book. I feel like a lot of people know that at this point. I think they Probably do too. too much. <laughs> like I need to stop talking about it. It's getting obnoxious. No, it's okay. I mean, I mean, turn the page, but yeah, that's a book joke. Anyway, mm. no, but this is chapter one of your book, what you kind of taught on um, yesterday, this last Sunday, right? Yeah. In some ways, I, I don't really have chapters and stuff yet, but it's, I mean, it's one of the key things that I wanted to talk about. And okay. so, uh, yeah, just kind of having an open week here at Rise between series, I just thought it might be interesting to kind of explore it from the stage. So I'd already kind of done it a bit in other areas, but yeah, it kind of building on it and, and uh, it, it forms the foundation of some other things I want to talk about and places I want to go. What makes it so foundational? Like this idea of good and bad and defining those things. What are like the elements that you would say, this is a foundation, this is a good starting point? So yesterday I started the conversation with a verse in Psalm where David said, uh, many Lord are asking where will we find prosperity? Mm -hmm. And before I ever spent time talking about these ideas of Tov and Ra, like I didn't start with those. I was really starting with a, uh, a different core issue, which is wisdom. I've talked about that a lot. It's, yeah. um, and as I was studying wisdom, um, there's just some pieces that started connecting. And one of them was that Genesis two and three are kind of a wisdom story uh, that align very well with other ancient creation stories about the world and where we get wisdom and where we find truth. And uh, so tying that in and then, yeah, what is good? And uh, I remember one of the moments that kind of clicked for me was I, I had that verse, many are looking for prosperity. And, I, you know, I, I literally I didn't know until I did it. I, I had it, ver I'd written it down, I'd talked about it. And then I actually randomly did a study on it and I realized that that word prosperity mm -hmm. was Tove. And I'm like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And it sent me on this deep dive of realizing that so many of the things that we want wisdom to bring us um, ultimately come down to that word. And not just in, I spent all the time talking about Hebrew yesterday. It was, it was Bible based, but every major wisdom group in the ancient world and even still today, focused on what is good. I mentioned, uh, you and I were talking that the very word philosophy, which means love of wisdom, was aimed at the early the early philosophers like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, yeah. um, what, finding the good, the good life. Uh, all wisdom was about finding a life that is good. Um, so um, that's the heart of philosophy. And that's really where my book is going and where, where I've been passionate about what, what I, even in my, like all of my research and study in schooling and my doctorate and things were focused on, I wanted, how do we find what is good and mm -hmm. how that led me to questions of faith and all these different things. So it all kind of tied together and um, just an opportunity to explore it, I guess, in church yesterday. So, I mean, if it is this idea of like how to try to find what is good, how can so many really smart people, um, 
that have access to all the different types of sources and things like that come to so many different conclusions? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I would, I guess I would turn that question around yeah. and say, why wouldn't they come to different conclusions if they're not basing it on anything? Yeah. If matter. there's no, like, this is our starting point and we're all just kind of figuring it out. I have a friend who does wisdom coaching and things. He's a great guy. And we had this conversation last week uh, over the phone. We were just talking and it's not in any way to suggest that I'm not a person that believes that you can't find wisdom if you're not a Christian, because I think what God made is real and the way that God designed it is true. And if I, find myself aligning with God's truth, even if I don't believe in him, you know, whether I believe who created the road, I'm still on the road. Um, so I think you can find God's wisdom, even if you're not a Christian, but at the end of the day, if you're not basing it on God, you're always going to be taking the wrong exits. And gotcha. um, cause you're just, yeah. I, I mean, being intelligent and just to be clear, and I think this is important too. The word wisdom is not the same as the word intelligent. Those are not the same thing. And I've often heard people try to like find their own definitions for how they're different. Uh, being smart or having a brain that, you know, can remember things or, or come to conclusions is not the same thing as wisdom. Hmm. Uh, oftentimes, you know, you look at someone who's intelligent and you can assume you're talking about wisdom, but you're not. Uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a high IQ to be wise yeah. and you could be brilliant and be a fool yep. because wisdom is not how smart you are. It is finding what is good in life. And sometimes the smartest people don't even find that and miss it. So um, yeah, God never says in the scriptures, wisdom comes to those who are intelligent. He says, wisdom comes to those who fear me and trust yeah. me. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there is something about, you know, intelligence that leads some people to want to read more and investigate more and study more. But yeah, I know many intelligent people who are fools. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, they're different things. And you kind of had that undertone throughout your whole message too, of this idea of what Tove really is, what good is. And really uh, one thing that kept on coming up for me as I was listening to you was a lot of times we think of righteousness or obedience and all those kinds of things as being antithesis to disobedience or to unrighteousness. But you kind of painted it in this different picture of it really kind of being more individuality, independence in the sense of I get to decide what's good and what's bad. And I'm not going to listen to what God says is good and bad in a culture where individuality, independence are virtues and values. How do you kind of navigate through that? And how do you explain those things? Mm. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, maybe to address the first part first, okay. um, I, if I had more time yesterday, I would yeah. have probably gone more into this. And I do in my writing, I'm exploring it a bit more. I kind of made this comment yesterday where I said, we confuse Tov and Ra with moral behavior, Yes, but I wasn't saying Tov and Ra never refer to moral behavior. I was more saying they're bigger than moral behavior, but moral behavior is certainly Tovin Ra. But here's mm -hmm. how I want you to see it. Here's how I want everyone to see it. <laughs> when I say that something you're doing is bad or even evil, call yeah. it evil. What I mean by that is not that there is some kind of 
mystical vile ether in the air that you're breathing it means that your actions don't align with how god created things god did not intend for people to murder or harm each other right so that behavior is bad we call it evil um and this is what's what's difficult about these conversations and and in my brain they work sometimes but i realize the way i say them no one's come across to call something bad is to say it's not what god intended so cancer is just as evil as murder Hmm. obviously there's a difference because one is being intentionally done to cause harm but that person who's intentionally causing harm has brokenness inside of them that's leading that behavior all of it is coming back to human brokenness Hmm. Uh, so everything in the world that is not what it's supposed to be is raw Um, but the things that maybe come more out of our personal behavior and decisions we call moral or ethical. We don't look at cancer as a moral issue. We look at murder as a moral issue and rightly so. But both of those things are bad. They're both raw. They're both, and our moral behavior, when the decisions that I make and the choices that I make don't align with what God says is right, I am unrighteous. I'm unrighteous. Um, To be righteous or to behave rightly is to say this is how god wants a human to act and behave and you're so when i do it i am righteous i'm righteous um and so i think like that's i never want to separate toven rock completely from moral behavior i want to put moral behavior inside a bigger conversation because in doing so and, and this is a uh, let me take a little bit of a tangent here okay uh i think a podcast is a good place to talk about this yeah um let me give a very prime example which is human sexuality when we talk about human sexuality, one of the biggest problems that we're, we face is for so long, we looked at forms of human sexuality that didn't align with God's plan and we labeled it evil, vile, wicked, right? Um, I would label it as raw in that conversation yesterday, but I wouldn't label it as evil the way I might call hmm. a murderer evil. But Christians have not always had other words to describe it. So I feel like you have a whole community of people who are faced with this reality that for them is reality about how they feel, what, what, what's going on inside of them, how they think about things. And here's this other group of people that says, well, we believe that the way that you think and feel about that is part of the brokenness of creation and not God's intention which is like, okay, that's one conversation, but the words we're using are you're evil, you're wicked, you're vile, you're a bad person. And that's kind of what I was meaning yesterday when I was saying, if we're not careful, trying to describe something is not aligned with God's intention turns into me saying that you're a bad person. And it, it, it like, as a Christian, how do we separate these to still say Tov and Ra, what God intends and what God doesn't intends brings about the kind of world God wants without villainizing people or making them like to call behavior or or a certain situation or an action raw without making people feel like they're the devil or something. And and that's, that's something that I'm trying to accomplish. I, I I'm passionate about that because I have friends who, who struggle with these things and we all struggle with these things. And I I made a comment once and it's probably too far, but um, it it was just kind of my brain was thinking like, what if Christians talked about, forms of sexuality that weren't aligned with God the way they talk about cancer. Hmm. 
like, like I love you and this isn't great for your life. Uh, and I, that's, that's, you know, I know I just opened a whole can of worms there <laughs> and I'm not saying they're the same thing, but I'm just saying the way that we think and talk about things that are not aligned with God, instead of being, we often want to associate it more with like, well, pedophiles. And it's like, why did you go to pedophile? Right. Right. Like, as I'm choosing to hurt somebody and my brain is, I'm, I'm less pushing people towards that and more like, I'm thinking of this the way I would think of, Yes, any any part of creation that isn't perfectly aligned with God's intention, not that you're a bad person. So uh, when it comes to righteousness and things like that, that's kind of where I was going for it. In terms of the second part of your question about individuality, um, you know, that's, uh, that's really at the heart of everything I was saying, yeah. ultimately, because to be an individualist, what does it even mean to be an individualist? What are we saying? Like that I, uh, I want to be my own person, uh, whatever. I, I mean, I'm okay with some senses of individualism. Uh, I don't know that God is saying you need to be a total group thinker. You need to fall in line. You need to, you know, be a sheep and do whatever you're told. I, I, I don't get that picture from God saying I've created you in my image. Yeah. Like to be creating God's image is not, you're a drone. It's like, I'm giving you responsibility over all of creation to manage it for me. Go have at it. Yeah. Like that God could have made us robots with no free will or no thought and just do what we're told. He made us with the ability to think and reason and to create ourselves. There's so much room to be individual. Uh, and you know, my John, of course, and I share a little bit of the Enneagram four, <laughs> which there's just this sense of kind of wanting to be individual and creative and di different. And there's something good about that. I, yeah. I don't think God wants, if God wanted everyone to look the same, how do you explain the crazy diversity of our world, both among humans, but also all of creation? Um, so there's room for diversity. There's room for individuality. There's room to explore and create and be your own person. But the, uh, the guardrails, right? The edges that keep us from going too far one way or the other is simply God saying, okay, this is too far this way. This is too far this way. As long as you're in this area, it's still good. It's so great. be creative and be yourself in that area. And to reject that in the favor of being an individualist is foolishness yeah, because it, is. it doesn't lead to good things. So if you need to go outside of God's plan in order to be an individual, then I would say that your desire to be an individual isn't actually as good for you as you think it is. And you're probably believing some lies that tell you you'll be happier over there, but you won't. I think that's so good because that's where our culture is headed. And that's it how is, yeah. we're defining individualism so often. Independence. It used to be that you were independent and it meant like you were responsible. You're able to be a sustainable human being that then could make useful contributions to society. And now it seems like independence is more about me. Yeah. It's more about my right to do whatever I want or think the way that I want and to go my own way. I, I love yeah. what you said. Um, you know, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, can I use some Hebrew with you too? But uh, that word fearfully is a word yardre. And it literally means that we're all created for one purpose. I don't know if I said it right, but that's how it's spelled. And it literally means that we're all created for the purpose of God's glory. But that word 
Allah, which is wonderfully, means different from anybody else. And, and it means, in a sense, like that individual expression or uniqueness that we all have, that we're different from everybody yeah. else, kind of the snowflake personalities. But like the, we're, we're totally different and we're unique for that purpose. And God, the New Testament kind of brings it together in this picture of a body too, of like, we all have different roles. There's a diversity of roles, but we all are part of the same body heading towards this as well. So I, I really appreciate I think, what you said. I, I like that. I think one of the things that we need to be aware of, and we've done a few series we're about to do another one. Um, it's kind of, it's pretty cool is recognizing lies. Ooh, Critical good. thinking is the ability yeah. to hear, to, to receive a message and accept the truth and spit out the bad. And Satan, when he lies to us, and I, I made this comment yesterday, the serpent didn't try to convince the people that God didn't exist. You know, he wasn't like, there's no God because they wouldn't have even believed it. Instead, what he did is he didn't even, he didn't even make stuff up. He took something that God actually said and twisted it and then kind of twisted it a bit. Yeah. Cause that's the stuff that we fall for. Like if someone tried to convince me there was no God, I'd be like, whatever. I don't know. You can't convince me of that, but you get closer to things where closer truths that I'm wrestling with. And one of the things I think that he does is he finds things that are innately good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even you look at the story, did God really say that? Oh, you know, you won't really die. You'll, and there's innate good in the garden of Eden and Satan kind of like twists it. And one of the things I think, again, I'm coming from the place of my own personality of having that Enneagram wing four, which is the creative individualist type individuality and creativity is a good thing. And there's part of it that is part of how God wired us. Yeah. The problem is he takes the good thing and he pushes too much and he twists it too much. And he's like, oh, it's all about being an individual. And so instead of finding ways to be your, your own self and individually in light of how God wants us to behave, yep. he tells us to find it outside of it. And he, instead of saying, hey, the, the way that God wants to work in your life is he wants to use all of the gifts that he specially gave you to bring about something cool and amazing that there's something about you that is unique you are unique you are interesting you do have things to offer that no one else in the world does and god wants to show you those things and help you find them and bring them out but instead satan says ah no no. let's talk about your your sexuality or your gender identity that's Mm -hmm. where you'll be unique yeah and God's like, no, no, that's not where you're going to be unique. Like you're, you're moving outside of that. You're and Satan is pushing you outside of an area in order to find something that God put inside your heart, which is a desire to yes. do something or be your own person. He's Satan wants you to fill that desire by something away from what God wants. And so we need to say like, that's not you, you, you talk about identity a lot. And like I, part of my identity is the special way that God created me. Yes. And we all want that, but Satan wants us to find it in what is actually raw. Because, and here's the thing, finding your identity and knowing who you are and who you're created to be is Tove, mm. right? So Satan is offering you something, Tove. Oh, be find who you are. You're special. You're different. You're unique. But it's way, way over here in an unhealthy land. As opposed to, no, it's already here inside of God's goodness when he made you. Um, and so how can we stop listening to this lie that to, to, to be this unique person that God made me means I have to leave God's parameters of creation and say, no, God already made me to be unique and I can find it inside of his definition of Tove. Um, and that's, that's tough. And, but it's, it's our world. And I, every, every time you look at it, 
social media, you just see this constant desire for people to be seen and heard and be creative and be interesting and be known and have a voice of who they are. They're doing that because we're made for that. We're made for it. But we can find it inside of God's plan. We don't have to go outside of it to find it. And when we find it in God's plan, it's healthy and it's good and it's it brings about real meaning and purpose as opposed to moving outside and usually just ending in pain and suffering and depression and discontentment. For you and for others around yeah. you. Here's what's frustrating. That same uniqueness lends towards different perspectives, different biases, different experiences, different lenses that then help you or hurt you as you interpret what God says is Tov and what he says is raw. Mm -hmm. How do we know? How can we actually figure out truly like how to interpret scripture or how to interpret God's voice in a way that we know is actually yeah. aligning with what God says is the right way? Which is definitely... If there were a progression of a conversation, that was the next step, right? Okay. Like I ended service yeah. being like, so follow God. All right, bye. But how do you know right. what's God and, and what's so not? Here's the thing. Okay. You're actually getting into uh, how I'm approaching my book. Sorry. No, <laughs> I please go, I apologize. Go. I want you to. Like the first step is establishing where are you going to seek toe from? Okay. Step two was, so here is Christian's message that God first and first called a group of people and gave him his law and said, let me show you Tove mm -hmm. through the prophet Moses. And then you follow their story and they struggled with it because yeah, it was written down, but they didn't really feel, they didn't really get it. It didn't change who they were. They didn't really. Was it written on in. the tablets of their heart? Right. And so then God said, okay, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to take this truth, this revelation of, of myself that I call my word, okay. my wisdom, my, my, my showing you what is Tove. And I am going to actually become a, a human being. I'm going to mm. embody it literally in a body. I'm going to bring my, my revelation of Tove is going to become a person mm. and he's going to walk among you and he's going to talk to you and he's going to live and he's going to interact with other people and you're going to see it. And it's not, you're just going to hear it. You're going to see it. You're going to see the way he talked to his enemies. You're going to see the way that he talked to the lowly and the pressed. You're going to see the way that he dealt with money and tension and all the things that you deal with in life. And he's going to call these followers around him who are going to learn from him. They're going to see it personally yeah. and they're going to write things down for you. And we're going to create an entire community of people centered around the living embodiment of Tove my wisdom, hmm. who will become followers of him, disciples. And by following him and becoming like him, you are living it. And in order to That's keep good, it from yeah. just becoming what it was before, which was just a bunch of stuff on a page, my spirit is going to live inside of you and reveal Tove to you as you follow me. And so being led by the spirit, Paul, you know, he doesn't use the word Tove, it's obviously a Hebrew word, but Paul will say, a person who's led by the spirit, and I'm, this is Pete's language, will become a tove tree. And a tove tree is to, it reveals tove things, gentleness, yeah. patience, love, kindness, uh, faithfulness, long-suffering, things that we call the fruit of the spirit. Those things are a life of tove. Those are good things. Those are the life that we're looking for. So by being committed to the living word of God, Jesus, being his disciple in a community of other people who are doing it all together, being led by his spirit and the, this book that we have so much of it written down in all of these things together are leading me to a life of Tove. They're revealing 
in my day-to-day decisions. So when I come to a decision, I come to that place where I have a choice, which one's Tove, which one's Ra. Yes. God, give me the knowledge of Tove and Ra. <laughs> it's like, well, first of all, I have some people for many years had little bracelets. You know, what, what would, would Jesus, Jesus do? do? Yeah. Tove and Ra. And maybe Jesus didn't directly do this. Well, is there other places in the Bible that just Paul or Peter or other people that knew Jesus talk about what is Tove and Ra? Oh, right here it says. Uh-huh. And then maybe they don't. So well, what about there's a billion Christians on the planet, the Holy Spirit. Collectively, does it seem like the Christians together have come to this place of this is Tove and this is Ra? Um, and then what is the Holy Spirit saying inside of me? And do those things align? So it's like God has given us a number of different things to lead us into Tove. At the end of the day, um, you know, I'm somebody that's obviously, because we can be easily led astray, yeah. the scriptures are our core. So if the scriptures say it's Tove, it's Tove. And if the scriptures say it's raw, it's raw. Like I, I'm committed to that in my life. Um, if the words of Jesus address it in pages of scripture, forget about what you feel, forget about what you think the Holy Spirit is saying. The Holy Spirit is not going to contradict the Bible. Um, so being rooted in the scriptures, the more that, you know, I, I like... Uh, Oh, brain work. Um, a psalm, you know, that uh, um, he who meditates on the law day and night will be like a, a tree planted by streams of yeah. water. If you want to be that tree, that healthy mm-hmm. tree, the word of God has to be transforming your mind as Paul said. You're renewing your mind through the word of God and you're changing your thinking. So your thinking moves from, well, this is Tove to, no, 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 actually, no, this is Tove. The more the word of God changes my thought process, the more... I can quickly and readily make decisions that are tove because they align with God's word that has transformed my mind. Yeah. Um, so it's a process. It's not a one-time thing, but it means being rooted in the Bible. It means knowing Jesus. It means being led by the Holy Spirit. And it means being in a good Christian community of people, all those You're together. You're and all that. Yeah. So even that passage, you know, being renewed by the mind, not being conformed to the patterns of this world, even your book is going to be called Like Stars, I think. And it, there's an imagery. You, you know, I yeah, talk about it all the like time. Stars. <laughs> but it's this imagery where, you know, stars have, they, the reason why they shine is because they're in contrast, contrast with the nice yeah. sky. I mean, there's a lot of contrast going on. Even yesterday, you had this black and white thing painted. Well done, uh, Jean. I, that was for, my for that. idea. Was it your, your no, idea? It was no, really it was, it was it, pretty you know, cool. Great imagery there. Yeah. But there's this this contrast between following Jesus and then what the world offers. Mm-hmm. How are we as Christians, or even a Christian community, the church, supposed to encounter and interact with culture that feels like it's heading in a whole different, that doesn't feel like it, it is heading in, in a different direction. And maybe it's going in its own way, maybe sometimes it's aligning, sometimes it's way off. How do we confront culture with what's Tove if they're following what's raw? So I've thought about that question quite a lot. And the way that I've thought about that question has shifted as I've had kids and they've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, as I know some people might not want to hear this, but I'm not always sure I have a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in process with it. Yeah. And here's my process. Uh, <clears throat> I, God calls me to love the world and want the good of the world. And I do. Um, but I love my kids more than the world. Now, mm. maybe that's unhealthy, maybe that's bad, but I just have to admit that I do. Okay. And the desire for my kids to be healthy is actually heavier on my mind than the desire for a stranger to be healthy. Now, again, that could just be part of the way that God made human beings. Absolutely. Um, it could be yeah. that I'm not fully as you know unselfish of a person as I should be, but it's true. It's real. And so the question of, of engagement with the world 
is so, and let me take a huge step back. Um, I had this conversation with somebody recently about alcohol. And when I was in college, uh, I, I don't know, was this you and I talked? I think it was this? me and you. It I was, was you. like, it was I knew me. I had a conversation. I for you, I talked to you. We were talking <laughs> and I told you that, yeah, yeah, we were at Chili's. And I, I said, I, I wouldn't have said I had a problem in the sense I wasn't, a, I wasn't like mm-hmm. an alcoholic, but I definitely was relying on it to be, social. to get out of my shell and be yeah. social and just being in a fraternity house. You just did it a lot. When I became a Christian, that along with a few other things just had to go. Mm-hmm. They had to go because they had a hold on my life. Mm. And so I really just did this like kind of, I tried to do this, like rip the bandaid off cold Turkey thing yeah. and just, you know, I'm done drinking. I'm done doing it. I'm not going to swear anymore. I'm not going to listen to this kind of music. Like it was just a bunch of stuff. Well, that happened over a summer between my sophomore and junior year and my sophomore summer, I got baptized. I read the entire Bible in like two and a half months. I just was like on fire for the Lord. And I remember coming back to school in the fall and like moving back into this fraternity house with these 60 plus guys who were not interested in Jesus. Um, and they were good people. It wasn't like, it wasn't like they were all jerks to me. Like they were confused. They're like, what, what happened to Goodman? What's going on? You know, they're nice. Like you're not, so wait, you're not going to come to the bar with us. What, what's wrong? Why? And in those moments, what I realized was I tried for the first month or so to like still be part of the crew, you know, Mm. and kept screwing up. And by screwing up, I just mean for me, what God was calling me to. Yes. And I came to a moment like I can't do this anymore. And I would literally start on Friday nights. Uh, this is one of the probably the painful but strongest memories of college for me is sitting in my room on a Friday night with like the deadbolt locked on my door mm. with my Bible. <laughs> you know, at nine o'clock on a Friday night, I'm a 21 year old college student by myself, and like the the bass from the dance floor is like shaking my wall and like drunk people are making outside the hallway and, and just needing to separate, needing to separate and being like, I can't engage that because yeah. if I engage that, you'll end up going to in fall it. into it. Yeah. Fast forward about 10 years. I could go back to that fraternity house. I, I didn't, but I could go back to the fraternity house and hang out with those people and not feel tempted to do it. Cause mm-hmm. like, Honestly, like after I grew up a little bit, I was like, that's, that's, I even, that's dumb. I don't even want to do that anymore. Yeah. I have no desire to do that. So I could be around it and be fine. There are other things right now that were I to engage them, I would fall into sin. And I've said this before, but like, I don't care. I don't, maybe there comes a point in your adult male life when you're like 90. I don't know, but I cannot <laughs> hang out with pornographic stuff and no. be okay. Yeah. I can't engage it. There's no engaging that thing because I will fall into it. The Bible tells me to flee from that stuff. That's right. So when we talk about engaging the world that's leading more and more into raw, I think the first issue is you have to be wise. Can I actually engage this without succumbing to it? If not, God's not calling you to engage it. He's calling you to flee from it. Okay. And now as a father, I'm looking at my kids and I'm saying, what do I want them to engage and what do I want them to flee from? And they're not old enough and wise enough to flee from things. So what do I need to build a wall around from them? And that means maybe I'm not engaging it because I don't even want my kids around it. Um, 
I understand homeschooling more than I ever. I used to be so, tr- <laughs> dude, I used to be so bitter and angry towards homeschoolers. When I was a youth pastor, I'm like, stop homeschooling your kids. You're just taking the light out of the darkness. They need to go in there. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, nah, get them out of that school. You're ruining them. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you look back. But I do want them, I don't want my kids to be separatists. I don't want them to yeah. be completely closed off because eventually they're going to have to engage culture. They can't escape it. So even looking at my children, I'm like, how do I help my kids see it, experience enough of it to know how to interact and think about it, but not so much so that they're falling into it. Um, And so these issues of like human sexuality and gender and all these kind of stuff, like I'm realizing I do have to have conversations with them about it. And there are times and places that it can't be avoided, but I'm also not going to put them into situations where they're inundated by it. I'm going to be careful what they're watching. I'm, I'm, you know, it's not like I need to engage culture. So let's go to the library where that, you know, transgender guys reading a book. No, I'm not going, I'm not doing it. Um, you know, bless them, love them, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's Tove. Um, so the engagement piece for me starts with, can I engage this without falling into it or being deeply affected by it? I have found, and this is this is just from experience, not from any kind of. Here's what the, I have found that more often than not, people overestimate what they can engage with without being affected by it. Um, mm. Oh, I can I can hang out with these people and be a light to them. They won't affect me. And, they end up and there's just a slow burn. A year later, they're yeah. barely a Christian. Uh, I can talk to these people online and not I turn into right. an arrogant jerk like yes. them. And then they turn into like yeah. More often than not, what you think of as engaging isn't actually, and more often than not, it's not even really helping. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this is a whole separate conversation about you know people being called to evangelize or be evangelists and things. But I think where I come from and where where I've landed, at least at the stage of my life, is God has called me to be faithful to Him. God has called me to seek Tove in my life, in my family's life, in my marriage, at work, at church, to help people learn it and understand it he hasn't called me to go hang out at a, at a gay bar to try to reach people. Um, and again, that was an extreme example. I'm just, and I'm, <laughs> so you say you're falling into the, um, I, I'm just saying like, I, what I want in my life. And, and again, I'm not, this is just my opinion. I'm just talking yeah. what I want in my life is to have a kind of life that the people that are around me, that I do life with my neighbors, co- co-workers, I work at church, but the people around me look at my life and my family's life and they see who I am and they see how, what God is doing in my life. And there's something attractive about it. Um, I don't want to stand on a corner with a sign and a bullhorn. Um, maybe God's called people to do that. Cool. Um, but I don't think people are drawn to that you know, they don't look at it like, Oh, that looks great. They just, but when people see a life that's worth living, Hmm. that's what shines. Um, when people see the wisdom of God in action, it shines because the wisdom of God works. (laughs) It works and it doesn't make your life perfect. You're still living in this broken world. I said yesterday, but my life is categorically absolutely better Every single time I've made a decision in my life that aligned with God's wisdom, my life was better for it. Every time I got into a situation in my marriage where I had a choice between God's wisdom or my wisdom, and I chose God's wisdom, my marriage was better. I can't think of a single time in my life when I chose God's wisdom and it wasn't better for me. So how could people not see that, you know? 
we're running out of time, but one thing that I do want to say about that last comment is sometimes I think though that doing what God tells me what to do, if I'm obedient to that, it actually leads to suffering. And we see that over and over again in the Bible too, where it leads to like hardship because there's this contrast that's happening and, and this butting up against as well. But I guess the perspective is smaller when you look at it from that perspective, you have to almost look in an eternity type perspective. Yes and no. Okay. Um, I've talked to, uh, our friend Matt Heinrich see about yep. this a lot. Um, first of all, suffering is not Tove. Suffering is raw, but suffering can bring about Tove. Um, you know, when you look at the the Jewish prophecies about the days to come, the the new yeah. age that we're still waiting fully, it's defined by no more suffering. Like there's no suffering. That's true. Suffering. That's right. And let's just say this. Suffering is the result of sin. There was no suffering in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Suffering is the result of our decision making. So when you look, well, Jesus suffered. Jesus didn't suffer because of his own sin. No, he, he suffered because of other people's exactly. sin. Exactly. Yes. His suffering came about because people that he was trying to save nailed him to a cross. Um, so when you try to obey Jesus, you might you will, according to him, sometimes encounter suffering because of the actions and behaviors of other people. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that if you associate that in your mind with, well, I thought my life was supposed to get better. That's what you, I, I'm yeah. with you on that. I'm just, with you on yeah. that. I, I think what I'm getting at though is like, I want to separate those two ideas. And maybe the problem is people listening to me don't know that I've already separated them in my head. No, it's good. That's I, what we're I talking absolutely about right have experienced sometimes difficulty in my life because God told me to do something and somebody else's sinful reaction made my life harder. Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things of over 24 years of serving Jesus, this is very small, yeah. very small. I've also found um, that, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say it because it's just a podcast. Say it, just say it. <laughs> There's a lot of times that Christians that Christian suffering is not the result of anything other than them just kind of being arrogant jerks. Explain that a little bit more. Well, oh, I, I lost my job because I was sharing Jesus. Mm. And it's like, okay. And then you dig a little deeper and they were just being some obnoxious person that was standing at the obstinate. door accosting people. Okay. You can't do that at work. Or it's like what you were really doing is just yelling at people and mm -hmm. trying to demonize them and make them feel bad. And, and they don't like that. So they pushed you away. I lost friends because yeah. I need to be honest. I, I lived in a fraternity house with 60 plus guys who none of them were Christians. None of them had a Christian worldview. None of them persecuted me because I was a Christian. Did I lose friends? I lost friends in the sense that they're going to the bar and I wasn't. So you, but yeah. these guys weren't like, oh, Peter, we don't like you now. I, I mean, you know, like you look at some of these like Christian movies and TV shows where <laughs> the atheist is always a horrible person. Yeah. I found that those people exist, but those people exist in Christianity too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when I see Christian suffering, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm with you, but you brought some of that on yourself. Okay. Now, just to be clear, when I said that, it was Pete's experience living in America Not, in 2022. Yeah. There are other parts of the world yes. that, oh my goodness, yeah. saying yes to Jesus is suffering. Yes. That's what the entire book of Revelation is about. Yeah. The early Christians were suffering because they were living in an evil 
pagan empire that wanted nothing to do with their loyalty to Jesus. So again, I, I was, I think I was saying that because the people that are listening to this podcast, the people that we minister to are the people that we're talking to. And so I'm not talking to persecuted Christians in mm-hmm. Burma. I'm talking to, you know, it's true. fairly privileged religious people living mostly in East County, San Diego, where life is not that difficult being a Christian. I just like we're tr- that we're trying to figure this out. Yeah. And, and um, I'm grateful that wisdom isn't something that necessarily you have or you don't have. It's something that sometimes you're in process of understanding through. It's something God gives. It's something God gives. Yeah. yeah. When you seek him, he gives it to you. And so you're, you're, and you're constantly having to seek him yeah. and constantly having to ask him. And Every new topic yes. makes you think and pray and ask questions. And so, yeah, so, so good. So hopefully this time was um, some wisdom for you and, and kind of prompts you towards seeking wisdom from God as well. Asking him to give you some wisdom. I appreciate your wisdom so much. Yeah, it was fun. It was good question. I, sorry, I, I talked a lot. I, I do that, but no, I, uh, those are good questions. I love it. it some was deep wells. Um, but we'll yeah. see you next time on Pick Digging up a new Deeper. series next week, right? Yes, we do. No, oh, no. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we're doing a special talk on the book of Jude. Brandon's covering that. So that'll be interesting this That's Sunday. Right. And then next Monday, uh, be a good conversation just about. So really just diving into that book. It's a short book, uh, but definitely check that out this weekend. Absolutely. Talking about asking yeah. God how scripture relates to culture. And then My after goodness. that, we're starting a series actually on. Same old tricks. Like same old tricks. Like yeah. how Satan just keeps trying to lie to us and deceive us and how he tried to do it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Ways he did that. And it's all the same stuff, but it just, he tries to change it with every new season. That's right. Same lines. So it'll be good. Be fun. Be really good. Thanks, Robert. It was fun. It was fun. All right. See you awesome. guys. Have a good week. See ya.